welcome to another 20-somethings talk. My name is Julie and today's topic is going to be about that one thing I think we were all terrified to grow up for, getting a job. So you get out of high school and now what? Some people have already decided what they want to do for a living and are going straight into post-secondary. But for a lot of us, we still had no idea what we were going to do, but we had to pay for life somehow. Whether you are in school and working part-time, taking a break from school to work, or just looking to work without an extended education, we've all been in the position of applying for entry-level jobs. This obviously goes without saying, but the internet has made looking for jobs so much easier. Elder millennials, you remember printing out a couple dozen resumes at a time and stopping in personally to everywhere you wanted to apply? Ugh, the kids of today have it so much easier. We'd apply for any job that we thought that we could get and patiently awaited around the home phone to get a call for an interview. Now, with simple searches, we can view hundreds of prospective jobs and weed out the ones that we think are the best. Can I tell you where most of us get hung up though? How many of you have turned away from an appealing job post because they are requesting X number of years experience to apply? We've all seen the memes depicting sheer confusion when it comes to entry-level positions asking for experience. If you need experience to get a job, how are you supposed to get your first job to gain experience when you don't actually have experience because you haven't been able to get a job? Ugh. So what's the solution? Something I learned having been in the position to hire at a company is that experience line's main function is to weed out the people that don't think they are qualified. If you have the frame of mind that you can do a job and do it well, then have the confidence in yourself to convince the one hiring that you are the right person for that job. You may not have the quote, professional work experience they have asked for, but what you do have is ambition and the want to learn and succeed, and you'll do whatever has to be done to accomplish your common goal. I have hired more people that were green and eager than people that were just floating around the workforce and had a ton of experience. If you are a fresh new student or just someone that hasn't found that perfect job yet, do not get deterred by extensive job postings that list super specific qualifications. Apply anyway. Bolster up your resume for individual companies if you want and apply, apply, apply. The worst thing that can happen is you get a no, but the best thing that could happen is you quite possibly might get that job that you wouldn't see yourself in for years. Now, I've worked a lot of jobs. I mean, a lot. Everything from a nursing home to Chuck E. Cheese. Not even kidding. Pizza joints to a few of the most acclaimed eateries on this end of the province. Growing up in two family businesses, I've been working since I could walk, so hitting the workforce young and maintaining multiple jobs was something that just came naturally to me. I was able to pay my way through college and buy a house young. Each one of those jobs was a different experience to me, and even the ones that I thought were complete bullshit at the time, I learned so much from looking back. Some might look at an extent of job history as a bad thing. I mean, we are the generation that has job hopped more than any other. If you are in and out of jobs, there has to be some sort of issue, be it with you or the establishment. And to be honest, with some of my jobs, I was definitely the issue. To this day, I've never been fired from anywhere, but there were a few times where I completely overstayed my welcome. One simple reason being, it just wasn't a good fit and I had to move on. And I think that's really, really important to be able to recognize when that point comes for you in a job and the appropriate steps to take before irreversible action is done when one of you, being you or your employer, loses their shit because it hasn't been working out for some time. It can be one of the hardest things to come to terms with. What if you really happen to like your job? What if you love everything about it other than a couple things that are preventing you from giving it your 100%? You could be stuck in a position that you were growing out of. 
there could be too much on your shoulders, and most commonly, you probably aren't making the wage that you think you should be. Guess what? 75% of people think about this constantly. Being unhappy with where you have to spend a third of your day, if not more, is going to lead you down a couple different avenues that you probably aren't going to like. Think about what your home life is like when you aren't happy at work. If you're in a position that you don't enjoy going to each and every day, or if you've got something that impedes your day and prevents you from being able to do your job properly and do it with a smile, then something has got to change. And now. If you feel like you have zero control in your workplace, whether you're being smothered into a job that's beneath you or pushed around by a superior that doesn't show you any respect, it's likely that you're going to bottle that all up and bring it home where you do have some control. And most people take that out in a very negative way on their loved ones. It could simply be coming home in a bad mood or spending several hours after you get home bitching about your day. Either way, you are subjecting your home, your place of love and togetherness to negativity and skepticism of a secure future. And that's just the tip of the surface of the trickle down effect that could happen. So this is simply why one can have so many jobs under their belt. I've never been one to stick around if something just isn't working. I've always had that life is too short mentality to never tolerate spending mass amounts of my time doing something that I didn't enjoy. And that's where I believe our generation operates a little bit differently from our elders when we think about the workforce. Think about what our parents did. Either they went to school and specialized in something that they stuck to for several years into retirement, or more commonly, skipped post-secondary altogether and settled in for the long haul in a blue-collar job. Either way, they seem to have always taught the shut-up-and-work method. I was always told to stand up straight, do what you were told, and don't ask questions. Well, that worked for me up until a certain point professionally. But then my natural curiosity prevented me from the don't ask questions part. I experienced a couple employers that I didn't agree with, and instead of shutting up and just doing my job, I started to ask the questions that the rest of my coworkers were all wondering about, but nobody ever had the nerve to ask simply because, air quotes, that's just how things are. My husband was the one who really taught and instilled in me that the squeaky wheel gets the grease. It wasn't until I found myself settling and justifying the actions of my employers in the position that I was working so hard to be my long term, could totally see myself retiring with this company kind of job, that I realized how important it was that I was happy in my position. And I wasn't, and I hadn't been for some time. If you'd like to hear the full story about the hardest decision I've ever made when I quit my dream job, stay tuned on our YouTube channel for that blog. My point here is, is that you need to be able to ask for what you need. Voice your thoughts and concerns and understand that nothing will ever change if you don't communicate how you feel. One of two things are gonna happen when you do this and the outcome it will be a telltale sign of what we talked about earlier. How to know if it's time to move on from a job. If you speak to your superior and voice your concerns in a clear, organized, factual way, they are either gonna give you what you want and need to continue succeeding in your position or they're going to say no. Now this no could be wrapped up in all kinds of excuses, usually disguised in heavy compliments about your work and something like timing or budgets just aren't going to allow for your demands to be met at this time. However they try and spin it, plain and simple, you just aren't worth it to them. I know, that's kind of hard to hear and you are probably justifying right now any given reason that you may have gotten in the past as being totally legitimate. If you keep compromising and they know that you are bendable, you are never going to get anywhere professionally. You have to know your worth and have enough of a backbone to say, well, if that's the case, unfortunately, then I'm going to have to start looking for a job that can provide me with insert want here when they don't give you a good enough reason.
So here are a couple of scenarios you could possibly find yourself in professionally when it comes to wages and some ways that I've personally navigated my way through them in the past. Keep in mind that this generally won't apply to those who work in government regulated or union jobs where everything is very uniform when it comes to wages and seniority and such. Okay, so say you'd like to ask for a raise but you don't know if what you're thinking of asking for is in line with the company or where other employees might be at. If the person that does payroll is actually in your building and can call witness to company function on a regular basis, you can approach this person and say something like, I'm really thinking of asking for a raise, but before I do, I'd like to know if my expectations are going to be met. Having knowledge of everybody's workload and capabilities, would I be out of line if I were to ask for, insert dollar figure here. I found great success in using this line of preliminary conversation. It just saved me from walking into the boss's office blind so to speak. If I were to ask for, say, $25 an hour when the leading most supervisor is, say, making $20 an hour, I would have gotten laughed at. So when I was given an answer like, with everything that you handle and accomplish on a daily basis, I don't think that's unreasonable for you to ask for as a raise, I felt 100% more confident walking into that meeting knowing that they could afford what I was asking them for. Another one. Say you've gotten a raise here or there, maybe even a few bonuses. Good for you but you really don't know where you're going to plateau. Where is your ceiling? Which is very important to be able to foresee professionally, even if you are doing well with a company. You could be on a quick climb to go nowhere, and knowing that as soon as possible will keep you from wasting time and money in a position that isn't gonna pay off for you in the long run. What I did in this situation was confided in an employee that had been working for the company for an extensive amount of time. Without too much detail, I let them know that I was seeking a raise and if we could have an honest conversation, it would be very helpful for me to know how they felt about their salary. Leading with something like, if you don't mind me asking, just so you don't come off as a nosy bitch, or any other way that you just aren't straight up asking them what they make. If they share this information with you, it can be very telling as to how you see your future with the company. If they make a wage that you consider to be appropriate to their position and duties, then you can most likely look forward to the same. But if they have gotten stuck at the same wage for a while, or have maxed out at a wage that you would like to make more than in your career, then that's really going to give you something to think about. There are so many situations that you can be faced with professionally that are honestly going to hit you on your blind side. You won't be prepared to combat the situation, and if big choices have to be made, you'll likely end up agreeing to something that you may or may not like in the long run. But hey, there's a reason why they call us the selfish generation. I have always set myself aside from the millennials that grew up with the internet, but nonetheless, we are all one generation, so stereotyped we are. But I don't consider being called selfish a bad thing. Yes, I think that there is a massive difference between being confident in yourself and your abilities and being entitled. And being aware of that line is super essential. We were all raised with the follow your dreams mentality by our hard work parents and being shoved into post-secondary just came along with it. But how many people do you know under 30 that went through post-secondary education just to work in unrelated fields? Over the next couple episodes, we are going to be talking with a few different millennials that have used their degree to the fullest and found great success in their careers, and then we're going to be talking to a couple that went to school, invested in post-secondary, and then switched gears altogether and are now succeeding in a field that is completely different from what they studied. These 20-somethings are absolutely kicking ass and can definitely be an inspiration to us all. Thank you so much for tuning in, and until next time, this has been a 20-somethings talk.